ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. Can we review our status here, Si? Let's look at this thing from a, uh, from a uh, standpoint of status. Can't go backwards. Can't go forward. What am I going to do? Hey, what happened? You have nothing better to do at 3 o'clock in the afternoon? Lisa, if you don't like your job, you don't strike. You just go in every day and do it really half-assed. That's the American way. This is a great day. A really great day. All across CNY, it's the 315 with Brian Higgins. Halfway home, here's what's happened so far. Yeah, what have we done so far? We've talked about Daniel Jones and the franchise tag. Uh, Still nothing has happened. 58 minutes and seven seconds remaining to the franchise tag uh, deadline. We've uh, wondered about the ACC voting and uh, how how the voters came to the conclusion of who was better of the Syracuse uh, Big Three. Jesse Edwards making third-team All-League. Judah Mintz was second in the Rookie of the Year voting behind Kyle Filipowski and uh, Bupkis for uh, Joe Girard, the second-leading scorer in the ACC in uh, conference games only. And uh, we see now our, our guest from yesterday, Luke Hancock, on the uh, halftime set on the ACC Network right now with Florida State uh, leading Georgia Tech uh, by 10 at uh, the break. So uh, welcome to our two here today, rolling along on uh, the program, getting you ready for Q's and Wake tomorrow, talking college basketball uh, writ large in the ACC tournament and all that good stuff. And with that, we bring in our friend from the field of 68 and uh, many other uh, college basketball endeavors, Terrence Oglesby. Terrence, uh, welcome in, man. Fun, fun time of year to be talking hoops here this week. It's a, it's a great time to be talking hoops. It's a terrible time to be hacked on Twitter, but all in all, <laughs> I think the positives outweigh the negatives, so uh, that's good news. Yeah, you, you got hacked good on Twitter. Have you gotten your account back? Where, where are we at on it? Well, I have. Well, yeah, so I have my account back, but I can't change the picture of the name because, you know, who knows what Elon's doing over there? He's got so many things going on, and then I can't change the name or the picture. Everything else is me. Okay. It's all me, but now I can't change the picture. So if you do follow me, it is me. It's just not me in the picture. Uh, I was curious about that because I knew you had been hacked, and I went and checked your account yesterday. Oh, Terrence is coming on. Let's let's make sure before we send out the link to your Twitter with it. Well, let's make you. There was basketball tweets, but it didn't look like you. So we, we had to we had to make sure it was right. But uh, good that you got your account back because I'm sure you got to get your info out to the people uh, this time of year. What what are you, what are you looking at this week, Terrence? I mean, we got game one of the ACC tournament on. Uh, right now, I don't think this is going to have much impact on all of our lives. But uh, you know what? What stands out to you this week? ACC, other leagues? Like, what's the main thing that that intrigues you this week across college hoops? Oh, there's just so much. I mean, you look around the the country, and I think this is going to be an upset riddled NCAA tournament because I think there's a lot of really good teams in some of the smaller conferences in college basketball. Because it, I mean, look, there's more talent. There's a year. More worth of years, more worth of players that are out 
in the field of 68 this year. There are just going to be more things happening as far as, for example, you look at a team like Furman who can really shoot the ball from the perimeter. They throw some different things at you defensively. You look at a team like Charleston who, if they don't win today, there's a very real chance that they'll be the first team in history of the NCAA tournament that wins 30 games and doesn't get into the NCAA tournament. Mm. What are we doing here? They obviously deserve to be in the NCAA tournament. I feel like the, the smaller conferences are where my eyes have been here lately, obviously the ACC, obviously the Big 12, Big 10, Pac-12, all those big leagues, Big East, uh, they, they grab your attention. But at the same time, this is a time for a lot of the smaller colleges to really shine and get the attention that they rightfully deserve after basically uh, guys like me and guys like you, you know, we focus on some of the power conferences so much. Some of these smaller leagues are going to be able to sneak up on some teams this year, and it's all going to be for the better and the more excitement for the NCAA tournament. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Charleston is one of the hot teams. They're playing tonight in their conference championship game against UNC Wilmington. That game's at uh, 7 o'clock this evening. You can uh, listen to it uh, right here on our airwaves uh, tonight uh, via Westwood One. Charleston's favored by about uh, 10 in that game. Uh, Who's standing out amongst those, you know, the one big leagues uh, as the the team you're really going to you know, look first to where they land in your bracket. Is it Charleston? Is it somebody else? Like, who pops top of that list to you this year? I, I think the two guys that I definitely just mentioned. I think Furman, because they shoot it well. And, and guys, let's let's not be naive here. This is all according to, you know, who they get matched up with. Right. That's the huge thing, right? I mean, uh, matchups are going to play a huge role. But, I mean, there's some other teams. You look around. Vermont has continued to dominate the America East. Uh, for the last, oh, I don't know how long. Uh, UNC Asheville has a guy in Drew Pember, 6'10", transfer from Tennessee, Big South Player of the Year, Big South Defensive Player of the Year. But he's this guy that can step out on the perimeter, knock down shots, cut to the rim, and pass. I mean, we talk about dribble pass shoot guys all the time. The the mid-major and low-major level is littered with those type of players. And it's not going to slow down simply because – uh, they're going to go up against some of these bigger teams, and especially some of these teams that have squeaked in the tournament that may or may not have deserved to be there. They're going to be able to pick off some of those teams. You look at another team, Oral Roberts out of the Summit. Max Aismas is still playing college basketball. How that's possible, I'm not quite sure. He feels like he's as old as I am, but he's still there. They have a 7-5 guy who shoots three in Connor Vanover that also protects the rim. There's a lot of good small college ball this season. I think there's going to be a lot of upsets. Yeah, and uh, tomorrow night in the Patriot League, we'll uh, have eyes on Colgate here in Central New York. They're playing in their sixth consecutive Patriot League uh, title game, looking to win their fourth of the last six years. And, man, they have... They have come close to winning a first-round game and have not yet. But they're one of those teams you don't, as the Orange know, you don't really want to uh, run into them. So we'll see how they do uh, tomorrow night. All right, uh, Terrence and Terrence Oglesby is our guest right now of uh, ACC Network, or not a part of me, a field of 68, as I have the ACC Network in front of my face right now because the tournament is on. Um, what, what do you make of the ACC tournament this year? It feels completely wide open. I have zero clue what's going to happen uh, a school like uh, yours in Clemson as crazy as it is they're the three seed they might need to win the thing like wh- what are you making of this tournament it feels like this is a rare occurrence in the ACC where the auto bid part of it might actually matter here this year well trust me when I say that I, I don't think I'm alone in trying to figure out what the heck this net rankings thing actually is because you look at a team like Clemson who ends up third in the ACC, and I realize the ACC is a notorious slow starter, especially in the non-conference, but that's a tournament team. You sit there and you watch their games, you see their weapons, you see Chase Hunter now that he's healthy, P.J. Hall's no longer on a minutes restriction that he had at the beginning of the season. 
that's a tournament team. And it's just wild to me that they have to win one uh, to sneak into the tournament. It, to me, that's insane talk, insane talk. but it, it is what it is. I mean, you look at some other teams. Can North Carolina make a run? You talk about somebody who needs to win the tournament to get in. North Carolina has fallen in there. I mean, one in 10 against quad ones, that doesn't help anybody. And quite frankly, you know this as well as I do. It's a team that looks generally disinterested in college basketball altogether. Those three really talented players outside of Armando Baycott R.J. Davis and Caleb Love, I mean, it's their minds have been elsewhere all season long. I'm curious to know uh, how Carolina approaches this. Are they going to be able to get it together? I feel like we've been waiting for it all season long. It just hasn't happened. But uh, the top of that ACC, I, I just feel like there's several teams uh, that could win it, and I wouldn't be surprised. Miami could certainly win it. Duke has been playing really well, and credit to John Shire for figuring this thing out on the fly, despite a lot of injuries, despite guys needing to grow up. Uh, and still having that five-star beside their name coming into campus. These are still freshmen. They have to grow up. John has been patient, and he's done a nice job kind of organizing and getting those guys together and figuring out what works for this particular unit. Uh, Duke is dangerous. If I had to pick one right now, I'd probably go Miami. Older team, guards that can create. Norchad O'Meara has been terrific. Nothing short of terrific, despite replacing Sam Wardenberg last season, who I thought was one of their keys to their offense. No, sir. Omir has jumped in, done a terrific job all the way through. Three teams at the top, Virginia, Miami, Duke. I feel like those teams could win it. Pittsburgh, Clemson, there's an outside shot at both of those teams. But that all being said, I mean, it's about as up in the air as you said it was. Uh, Isaiah Wong uh, won ACC Player of the Year. That got announced. Uh, yesterday, and you know, you mentioned Omir, Nigel Pack, man. Like, if you need somebody to score you ten points in a hurry, I don't know if you want anybody in the league uh, more than uh, Nigel Pack uh, down the stretch uh, of some of these games. But uh, Terrence, let, let's hit Duke for a second. I, I forget the exact number, but I think there's something in one right now uh, when they have all of their guys uh, healthy. It's been you know guys in and out of the lineup this year. I know Derek Whitehead was banged up, and the various guys have had various stuff all year long. How dangerous is this Duke team? It's weird to kind of see Duke coming out of the middle of the pack as opposed to being top five in the country. Is this team playing like a legit top 10, top five team right now? I think a top 15 team would, would suffice. Okay. I, I think defensively they've been uh, really good for the majority of the season. And even in conference play, I mean, it's gotten even better. And I think a lot of it coincides with the emergence of Derek Lively as a rim protector and understand how to play in space and to create space for himself on the defensive end. A lot of times you see five men and it's like, well, they got to protect the rim. Well, Jesse Edwards up there in your country, like he, like he's able to create space and still contest the rim defensively. And when offensive players get in the chest of a, of a defensive player, it's really hard to play defense. Derek Lively had to learn that the same way Jesse Edwards had to learn that. His emergence as a rim protector that way has been tremendous. Uh, this Duke team, I think one of the biggest keys, too, was switching Tyrese Proctor and Jeremy Roach. Because Jeremy Roach is a rim attack guy first. He's looking for himself first. Tyrese Proctor can play with the ball in his hands and initiate some offense, and then guys can play off of him. He's comfortable in either position, where Jeremy Roach is more of an alpha. I'm going to take the ball to the hole. I'm going to make something happen right now. Well, if that guy's the one bringing the ball up the floor, that's going to be really difficult. If he's the guy that receives the pass on the second side of the offense, he can really be effective. I think John recognizing that was one of the biggest things for this Duke team in order to have the success that they've had over the last six games. I mean, he's done a really nice job of recognizing what this team is and how they fit together well. 
Yeah, they've won six in a row, and the the loss that would stop it from being a longer streak is uh, kind of a fake loss. It was that weird Virginia ending with the uh, the officiating uh, issue that cost them free throws that could have uh, won the game down the stretch. As Terrence Oglesby, field of sixty eight, is with us, and you know we know this here, Terrence. Like Syracuse has to win the tournament if they want to make the tournament. That's not a there, there's no wiggle room on that. Do you give the orange even like half of a puncher's chance uh, to do this, or or is this a bridge too far this week? Uh, you know what? Here's the thing with Syracuse, and I feel like I've always said this. Syracuse, with this zone, uh, especially in today's game, I think that's a huge caveat. It's a huge ca- In today's game, the Syracuse zone, they're going to win games they're not supposed to. They're going to lose games they're not supposed to because they open, up, they open up certain parts of the floor that leaves them vulnerable to, for a team that can shoot the ball well from certain spots. That all being said, I mean, they just find ways to do it. They have Wake Forest coming up, what is it, tomorrow on the second day of the tournament. But they could beat Wake Forest. Now, that all being said, is Wake Forest playing pretty well and desperate at this point? Yeah, they are, because they have to play well uh, in order to get in the NCAA tournament, which is by no means a definite. Wake Forest needs to win that game and the next one. So there's a lot at stake for both teams. Uh, that all being said, I, I – I quit trying to predict what happens with Syracuse because of that zone. <laughs> I want to ask you this about the zone, and we, we have talked ad nauseum about the zone recently, and certainly you know the four-game losing streak of all of them by at least 17 points. Oh, did we talk about it? Um, when you look at the zone now, and not just the Syracuse zone, but obviously it applies to Syracuse way more than anybody else in college hoops, uh, Terrence, and you look at you know the ability of modern, current players to shoot the three, uh, not just in volume, but like the distance they shoot it from. They're, they're not toes on the line anymore. How much harder do you think it makes to play the zone uh, now with how stretched the floor is versus, I don't know, call it five, ten years ago? Uh, it's huge. I would say ten years ago it was still wildly effective. I mean, you think about some of the teams that Bayham had ten years ago. I mean, there's a lot to be said there. And not as many... Coaches now put the red light on guys to shoot at three and four feet behind the arc. Whenever you play against Syracuse, people are, people are saying, well, if that shot's open from that deep, sometimes you're going to have to take some of those. So when you get that green light and you get that from a coach, it certainly helps. Where, where I think earlier in the year where I was able to see them play and where I thought they were playing well, you, you, I, I did the January 11th game against Virginia Tech. I thought whenever you have those bottom wings that are long and athletic that can recover, you're going to be in good shape. Uh, that all being said, on the other side of the floor, it's not like Syracuse runs everything, anything like extremely detailed or anything like that. It's pretty much one screen and let your guy rock. Uh, and that's not a good thing. That's not a bad thing. It just it is what it is. Uh, the, the, the zone, for the most part, it, it's hard because not only are you giving up shots on the perimeter, but because you're not matched up, you're giving up a lot of offensive rebounds. Syracuse is 351st in the country in offensive rebounding percentage. That is not optimal, but at the same time, because you're playing that zone, those, that's something you're going to live with. Uh, is it okay in today's game? I would say periodically, yes. Full-time, it's hard. That's kind of where I would go with that. Yeah, the math of it changes uh, just due to the, the distance you got to cover in the whole thing. All right, uh, last thing for you, Terrence. Uh, looking ahead here uh, to the NCAA tournament selection Sunday uh, is Sunday. You know, we talked about the mid-majors and the one-bids and that type. When we're talking big boys in this tournament, if if you got to pick one, if you got to pick one right now to win the whole thing, who who's popping out to you today? Up until I saw um, 
up until I saw Jalen Clark at UCLA's hurt, that was kind of the I, – I thought UCLA had a real shot. Without him, I think it's going to be tough. Houston does the little things better than anybody else in the country, and anytime you play Houston, it hurts. But, but, I think if I had to pick one right now, I, I would go with Alabama, and that's probably going to prove me wrong. But I still think this Alabama team – really plays defense. They're going to have the most talented player on the floor every night with Brandon Miller. That's just going to be the case. And this Alabama team is better than last year's Alabama team because they defend their switchball. And Charles Bidiaco is one of the best rim protectors in college basketball. Throw in the fact that they have so many good shooters. I like Alabama, but I'm also scared to write off Kansas. So I, I'd say you told me to pick one. I think I picked three. But if I had to go with one, I'd probably go with Alabama. All right, and I know this. Uh, we'll, we'll all light our brackets on fire after about the first two days because that's just the way the tournament goes. <laughs> <laughs> no question. These days. All right, T.O., man, enjoy the month. I'm sure we'll catch up again soon, but uh, it's the, the best time of the year in college ships, and always good to spend a few minutes with you. Thanks, man. Awesome. Thank you so much. That is Terrence Oglesby of the field of 68. Catch him on all the podcasts there and uh, wherever you may find him on your television uh, dial. When that will take a break, Tim Leonard will pop in uh, for the 411 in the 315. When we come back, your calls as well down the line at 315-437-7644. We'll step aside. Much more to come after this. It's QSportsTalk.com, ESPN Radio.